All right, welcome to Old School, Jank Uger, Adrian Lawrence, Ben Glee with you guys. Adrian and Ben are of course at Rebel Headquarters. We're of course sponsored by shoptyt.com where you can get Adrian's book, my book, get a lot of things, you get a lot of the stuff that we wear, you got this, okay? So we got a lot to talk about, do we? It's old school. We'll see what we have to talk about, how much we get to it. Now, having said that, I'm gonna start with a crazy story Adrian sent me right before the show. So Adrian, what is this about British warships and and Chinese servants? This like insane, what was that? Yeah, you would assume in 2023 that there wouldn't be uh, like servitude going on, but apparently not. So the Royal Navy has announced, uh, the British Royal Navy has announced that it's ending its century old tradition of having Chinese servants on warships performing laundry services. Yeah, and it's had this going on since 1930. And the only reason that it's ceasing it now is because they're afraid that the Chinese could spy on uh, the British. And so they're just cutting these people loose after they've been working for decades working on these naval ships. And the thing is, it's not making it any better because now the British are going to be replacing them with Nepalese individuals. For some reason, they just need people from Asia to do their laundry services, no joke. It is kind of amazing, right? I mean, we have all these vestiges left over of the old world and like people from China, they need jobs, they want to wash clothes. It happens, that's okay, God bless, right? But the fact that it had to be Chinese folks that are doing the laundry for the British warships, it's just so antiquated. And now, the and the fact that in the year 2023, they're like, okay, all right, no, you guys are right, no, you're right. Problem with the Chinese, mainly they're spies. Not really the problem, but okay. Uh, so we, we're gonna go get people from Nepal and, and, and because we can't have British people doing this. This is outrageous, this laundry. Uh, I think the British would like jobs too. On a sub sounds kind of cool, not in wartime. Uh, I'm not sure that it has to be the Nepalese. Is that, and by the way, is that the, do we think that's the correct way to refer to somebody from Nepal? Uh, yeah, it says Nepalese Gurkhas. And I don't know what Gurkhas means, but yes, Nepalese. Okay, I feel good about the fact that I nailed it on Nepalese. Not like Trump today, who was like, you know, a very good guy in Europe. His name is Viktor Orban, president of Turkey. So I also just looked up and Gurkhas means soldiers. So they're gonna have Nepalese trained soldiers doing their laundry. These individuals are trained soldiers. And to have them doing laundry, what? Well, you cannot let the Nepalese people people be laundering your laundry. That's very risky. I also am very thrown off guard by this story. Didn't know we were covering it, and I'm afraid the people that are doing laundry here in my own home are gonna enter the frame at some point. And I don't want you to even know what ethnic background they are. They are. I'm not gonna say they're white. I'm not gonna tell you what background they are, my friends. Also, as a comedian, with a story like this, 
you have no idea all the jokes that just ran through my brain as you were t- telling these details, Adrian, that I can no longer say. This is That's a different right. time. You can't say them. I can't say any of them. This is ridiculous. Can you imagine 2023 that the British still had and exclusively had to be Chinese people doing their laundry. And then now they're like, let's just go to another part of Asia and we'll pick up some people who this isn't their job because they're soldiers, but we'll have them do laundry. That is so incredibly disgusting. My grandma's from China and I think she must have done her own laundry, but I don't believe it was ever on a British ship. But then again, there's a lot she didn't tell us. There's a lot from her life she kept secret. Could have been on a British ship for some time. Okay, I have an amazing story about China in a second. But you're of course been asking us to ask. Really, your grandmother was from China? I know what he's, my boyfriend who is Jewish, his parents are both born in China. And I know the reason why, so I understand this. Yeah, yeah, my grandma was born in Dairen and she's not Chinese. Ethnically, as far as we know, although I sometimes question that. But she was a little lady and she looked like she could have in some way, maybe somewhere back in her bloodline been Asian. Although I have no proof of that and I'm told it's not the case. But lovely woman, rest her soul, and spoke Chinese. So did my grandpa. My grandpa spoke eight languages. My grandma spoke only five, a little lazy with the languages. but. That's the old way, knowing things, being worldly, caring about other cultures, wanting to relate to other people, not making it English only, get my English or you take it or leave it. I've been fluent in pig Latin and broken Spanish my whole life trying to make my ancestors proud. See, I would like to think you speak several dialects of Valley Girl, but you know, what do I know? Oh, I do that, I do that for sure. Yeah, but my partner's parents were born in China because they were fleeing the Holocaust. And so that's why they have Chinese roots. Um, yeah, and so is, everything they actually have though is very Chinese. And so they very much ingratiated themselves in the culture. Uh, and so it just, it's it just the flourishing of culture is a very beautiful thing. But the unfortunate reasons and why some people have to um, is unfortunate. So that's true. super interesting on, on a lot of uh, fronts because uh, I had not heard of anybody fleeing the Holocaust to China, but it makes sense. You'd flee anywhere you could, right? And so, um, and and I don't know to what degree they took folks in, but obviously to some degree. So bless their hearts for that. Um, and my what also? Oh, sorry, to interrupt. My grandma was there pre-Holocaust, so really, I don't know. I don't know what brought brought her there, but she met my grandpa in China, and then my grandfather's. Uh, Moved from there and tried to seek work elsewhere, and and then everything went awry all over the world. You know that's interesting because um, so my grandfather spoke seven languages as well. So back in the day, people didn't have Google; they had to learn things. Okay, uh, and he did that while walking backwards to school through the snow. Okay, uh, so anyways, uh, but when I was younger. Um, I didn't know that I was like, it didn't occur to me to ask my grandparents questions mm-hmm. about their childhood, right? Now I ask my parents nonstop questions, like right now. Like anytime I go to breakfast, dinner with them, whatever, I'm like, all right, dad, tell me about your toys, like growing up. And he has amazing stories about toys and birthdays and stuff that I'll get to in a second. But, um, 
but Ben, I, you know, are your grandparents still with us? Did you never ask them why they went to China? No, and I actually flipped something there. They're no longer with us, sadly, on both sides. My grandparents are no longer with us, but my grandfather left Poland and went to China to try to find better work opportunities, and that's how he avoided the Holocaust, where his brothers, his four brothers and parents were were all killed by the Nazis. But um, but that's where he met my grandma. Um, but I don't know why my grandma was in China, other than I just I know there was a Jewish community there. There just always was a Jewish community there. So, yeah. Well, Jesus. I mean, uh, so God, God bless China for taking them. And uh, when they did, I mean that they were open even before the Holocaust, so that uh, prevented that. Um, so I. When I went, I went to Penn undergrad and then Columbia for law school. So I met a lot of Jewish folks from all over the world. There was Panama Joe, who was Jewish that lived across the hallway from me in the dorm. There was Guillermo Weinman, who was Mexican Jewish. In Miami, I met Jubins. And then in law school, there was a person from India who was Jewish, etc. But I'm not sure that I ever met a Chinese Jewish person. Um, and so now at least through osmosis, I know Ben, Ben's grandparents were kind of Chinese Jewish. Uh, and so, okay, I did it. I think I might have, well, I'm not sure I've met or ever met a Nepalese Jew. But uh, <laughs> if I go on enough British warships, I might be able to. One day, that's the dream. And also, I think we just figured out with the connection through the Chinese Jewish community, why that probably where the tradition started. Of the Jewish people on Christmas Day going to get Chinese food. Bingo. Okay, it was your grandparents. <laughs> you, they were patient zero in a good way. There's also, if you like, other trippy facts that that the random person might not know. Trinidad. Trinidad is a Caribbean country. It's actually pretty close to Venezuela, off the coast of Venezuela, and and. Folks there are largely considered black, but it turns out half the island is from India. So I have a friend who's from Trinidad, and his both his mom and his dad are both half black, half Indian, and and so now since one of my best friends is from Trinidad, I know all about that, right? But if you had asked me otherwise, I I would have been like Trump with Victor Orban. I'd be like, I, I don't know, right? Do they serve on British warships? I have no idea, right? So. But uh, but back to the amazing stories of of our grandparents and, and parents and and those times, right? Uh, so I'll tell you an amazing story out of China, and then or as Trump would say, China, and he's actually getting me to pronounce it a little bit more, like ten percent more like that, subconsciously and accidentally. And then another thing that I dislike him for. Just to be clear, well, at least he's saying it a little more like that now, and not the typical way he always did, which was vagina, which basically yes. he was just saying vagina. He was just saying vagina for a long time and just cutting yeah. off the first syllable. Never thought about it that way, but there it is. And then, of course, there's the way he says, You're Norway. Oh, Lord. That man He said that the FDR, you know, he had that unfortunate thing and he couldn't get up, but he he was very elegant. Then he realized he meant eloquent, so he was like, he was elegant and eloquent. He's also eloquent. <laughs> also, so. speaking of pronunciations of things, I don't know if you know this, but and this is total speculation, and I'm sure not true. But the Nepalese people are 
most likely big supporters of the defund the police movement because their Why name is, is literally their their name is literally no police. <laughs> I was very nice. It's old school, so he's literally here all night. This thing's gonna take That's a right. while. That's right. <laughs> so um so anyways, back to amazing stories out of China. Um so my um mother-in-law uh her family but for my for my wife both her both her grandparents were in Chiang Kai-shek's army okay and they both became generals uh in Taiwan so a very military family uh there's many interesting parts of this first of all partly because of chinese culture partly because they were uh in the uh military etc they Wendy's family has this thing of like government jobs are the best jobs. They're obviously the most secure, the most wonderful, etc. And so one of her cousins married a venture capitalist. And he's a very, very successful venture capitalist, okay? And they're like, okay, that's good, that's good. Not a government job, but okay. Right. And and I and I'm like, no, no, no. You you don't understand, yeah. like way better than a government job, right? I mean, at least in terms of money, like this is not a conversation. They're like, it goes up, it goes down. Government job stable. I'm like, no, no, you you're not familiar with the work of America. Venture <laughs> capital goes up and stays up. Okay, <laughs> they're not. And and I don't know why I'm all about the puns tonight, but. Uh-oh. If you work in government, you're really more of an adventure capitalist. Why government adventure? Because you're just taking crazy risks with the economy, you're printing money, the money's going up and now you're a capitalist, but when it behooves you, you're corrupt for yourself, but you're you're publicly differently with it when it comes to the capital expenditure of capital in the country. We mess with our own economy. I'm really trying to justify this pun. I'm the ponderful wizard of ha-has and I have struck again. Okay, all right, we are clear, and I think Adrian's facial expression also. Well, you know, Ben, my old English teacher, he would do this. I don't know if I've done it with you before, and you're stretching, you're stretching. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay, and he would do it to me, so brother, I, I feel you, okay? You. And I love puns too, don't get me wrong, keep them rolling, keep them rolling. You got that it. one was a little adventurous, but I hear you. Um, do you see? I'm right there with you. Okay. I did. I saw that with adventures. I was there. I was there. <laughs> I'm gonna need an advent calendar to keep up with all of this adventure. Oh lord. <laughs> but so, anyways, this is not water. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, obviously, Shanghai Shek. Uh, I don't know if uh, folks got this memo, but he lost. So they had to run to Taiwan, and that's why they get to Taiwan. They take over Taiwan. They didn't really ask the people that were living there. Different story. He's greatly celebrated in Taiwan, didn't really win, different story. Anyways, because of the Cultural Revolution and Mao and the war, etc., they had to run at some point. They lost, they got to run. The family got separated and they had five kids on the mom's side and two of them got left behind. And they could not get them out of China. How old were they? So. I think they were around 
I forget every time and I've asked like three or four times. Either they were young around like six and nine or they were around 15. Still, I would just, it's still terrible, but oh. Yeah, like, but it is definitely 15 or lower. So total, utter disaster, okay? So the they were finally able to get back in and see them like 40 years later. And at that point, they're like 55. Yeah. And and they they grew up in China their whole life. They never got to correspond. They had, had to be taken in by others. And if you're taken in by others, you're at the end of the totem pole. I mean, the brutal life that they had because one day they got separated and they couldn't make the train. Oh, oh like there are such horrific stories that come out of these conflicts, right? And in that case, it was the communists taking over China and driving out Chiang Kai-shek and his folks. So oh, it's heartbreaking, but now they have a life there. So you know they'd live there and then the mom saw them for as long as she could and then she passed away. Not my mother-in-law, but her mom. So, and you know, what's interesting is that, so you know, we talked about how there's, you know, I mentioned I had Jewish friends from all over the world. There's also, and then I brought up Trinidad because there's also Indian folks from all over the world. And the reason is that like trading was part of the culture of India and and Jewish culture as well. So that's what led folks to go all over the world to do trading, right? And so that's why there's those two ethnicities have people all over the world, which I think is really kind of cool. Um, it's pretty neat, and uh, and people don't know that there's an anti-Semitic uh, background to why more uh, Jews in the world were uh, tr- like merchants and traders. Oh, really? Uh, they don't realize that. Like the yeah. same thing with like litigation practice and yeah, a yeah, lot yeah. of the so, things. Yeah, Adrian, you know it exactly. But tons of people have no idea, never heard this. It's because both Muslims and Christians wouldn't allow Jews to own land. Um, so they couldn't do farming. And so the only thing left open was both merchants and then banking because both Christians and Muslims thought because of their texts that was usury and it was immoral. And so they didn't want to charge interest rates. And they're like, let's make the Jews charge interest rates. And they're like, okay, <laughs> right? but interest rates are the thing that make the most money in the history of the world. And then then people caught feelings. They're like, wait, they have all the money. Well, idiots, you're the anti-Semites who told them to do it, who forced them to do it, right? And like merchants do better generally than certainly serfs, right? And, and the feudal system. So it was actually anti-Semitism that ironically led to some of the success that the Jews found across the world, which then they later got blamed for in a second round of anti-Semitism. And well, I and love, I love yeah. that. I love the fact that our our helping create a worldwide banking system and therefore actual modern economies across the planet is yet another thing that we are hated for around the globe. Something everyone uses and benefits for from and needs. That's great. Hundred percent. It was such a need that they made them do it. Like here, you guys, you have to charge interest rates. And then after a while, they must have been like, do these knuckleheads know what happens when you charge interest rates? (laughs) 
So, because Ben's right, you cannot run a market, you cannot run an economy without interest rates. You can't, it's impossible, right? And so, or it'll be really primal, it just will not grow, right? And and if you, there's so many books on this, you know, Sapiens at the end explains why, that's why the British one, even though they're a tiny little island, like, oh, I hate the British. right? Like, the why are the, why did the British have the empire that the sun never sets on? Rando crusty dudes on a rando island in the middle, you know, in the corner of the earth, right? Like if you think about it, the, the mighty British, who the hell are they, right? They're mm-hmm. isolated on this island. They have no reason why they should be able to spread and Their win. Their food sucks. They got pasty <laughs> skin. The teeth are messed up. I'm sorry. Well, look, I'm, I'm not gonna blame them for their they skin. They cause a lot of problems. I'm just angry. I'm not gonna blame them for their skin, and the and the dental is really more this the fault of the insure, health insurance system. Let's be honest, okay? Uh, but but yeah, they 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 do have bad food. <laughs> they were not. There was no reason for the British and the Dutch to win, and for a long time it was the Dutch, and then it was the British. And the reason is, they're like, yeah, that thing that uh, we made the Jews do with the interest. Yeah, I think we should do that. Uh, I think that's like I think I get a sense that that's really going to help us, right? And they did, and they created a market system, and so they were able to invest in adventurism, Ben, if you will. And <laughs> and they're like, oh, the Spanish they sent like Columbus, and then Columbus like got them a bunch of gold back. Let's not don't ask too many questions about how he got the gold, but we, geez, Spain got a lot of gold. But the problem for the Spain and all the other kings and royalty was every once in a while, a Columbus type of guy would come back with a bushel of gold. And they'd be like, yeah, thanks a lot. And then they'd kill him. <laughs> and, and so people are like, well, I don't wanna work with the Spanish. They, didn't, they never pay you, right? And the reason the Dutch and the British took off is because they would pay you. And they would pay you with interest, so everybody wanted to do it. And then that created markets, and that's what allowed them to make so much money. They could build the greatest navy the world has seen, the British did, and take over. So, and then last part of it is what Adrian mentioned. I, I've told these stories a couple of times on there because I just I think they're amazing. I think everybody should know them. Um, it white shoe law firms in America, and this is from Malcolm Gladwell book. Uh, would not allow Jews in, and they're like, "Oh, we're too sophisticated for Jews," and 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 they also wouldn't do mergers and acquisitions. They thought it's unbecoming to do M and A work, and so the Jewish lawyers didn't have a choice. They needed work, and they're like, oh, "Okay, we'll do it." Right, and turns out mergers and acquisitions, the most profitable. Oh no, it was litigation. That's what it was. The thought of fighting and having a dispute in court was so beneath uh, beneath them. And the thing is, is that Jews were like, okay, we'll do it. And of course, nowadays people will tussle in court. And so that's why a lot of Jews were relegated, quote unquote, to being litigators. Even though now, of course, being a litigator is one of the you know chief forms of practicing law. Um, it's just, it's crazy and upsetting and offensive. Cuz it also kind of reminds me of back in the day how when black people were given their freedom, so to speak, they started finding, um, you know, employing ingenuity and trying to make money because they weren't given their 40 acres and a mule. What were they going to do? So, to the extent they could, they sold watermelon, then they did really good at it and they made a lot of money. And then, of course, it became a form of mockery. 
for black people that thought that oh, watermelon and all of these things. So a number of black people ended up walking away from that because it was mocked and we're still mocked to this day with watermelon and the whole deal. But it was because essentially white people had relegated us to doing whatever we could to sustain a living and we did and then they mocked us for it. And just as they do with Jews when it comes to financial commerce and when it comes to litigation and law. And it's just when people don't realize that these things, they come as a result of the oppression that comes from white supremacy and colonialism and just honestly just disgusting forms of lack of humanity. It's just not funny. Yeah, and and so that's the history of crazy discrimination that backfired. And of course, the last piece of discrimination against Jews that backfired were the Nazis were like, we don't need those Jewish physicists. Oops, mm-hmm. <laughs> turns yeah. out you did, brothers and sisters. It turns mm-hmm. out you did. And so, but I love it when racism and discrimination and anti-Semitism backfired. That's the greatest thing in the world. Have a quick question for you guys, and I would love to get your thoughts on it. Okay, so I like to look at estate sales, and there's one in my neighborhood, and they always send out like because it's done by a company, so everything's inventory, and they send out pictures. They sent out a picture of a Nazi helmet from World War II. What do you do with that? And the original homeowner is an old Dutch person. And so I do not, I haven't asked if it is authentic or not or a prop, but based on all the other war things that are there, it makes me question. So what do you do? Do you well, well, go first buy question. it to make sure it doesn't get in the wrong hands? Do you, what do you do? No, here's what, okay, tough I have one. a lot of thoughts on this. You burn that sure. thing. Yeah, well, sure yeah, but the thing is, you have to get it into your hand so it doesn't. Because initially, I like I sent it to several friends, and including a friend at the ADL, and I was like, "Hey, yo, what should I do? Should I make sure I buy it so it doesn't get to the right people? And if it needs to be in a museum or burned, what do you do?" But like, essentially, what do you do? What did they say? Oh, um, I got a mixture of one girlfriend was like, get it and burn it if you can. I haven't heard back from my buddy at the ADL. And another friend said, whatever you do with it, I'll support you because I know you're not going to keep it. <laughs> um, yeah, because it's a matter of, oh my God, I was absolutely just mind blown to see a picture of it in the inventory list. And it has like the eagle thing with the circular thing beneath it with a swastika. Yeah. So Ben Manquis and I have, believe it or not, have discussed this on a previous old school oh. episode, and we have laid down rules. Okay, so number one, if you fought the Nazis and you took stuff off of them, you get to keep it. Okay, okay. and so his dad was in World War II, and and he took an incredible. Gun. I don't know anything about guns, but people say like, "Oh, that's an amazing gun from one of the Nazis, one of the dead Nazis." And uh, and I was like, "Oh my God, this is you know back when Frank was alive." And I was like, "Frank, did you had you killed him?" And he's like, "No." He's like, "They were. It was World War II. There was dead bodies everywhere, and you took the gun because you needed the gun. And so that guy, that dead body had a gun. You took it." He's like, I'm like, how do you know you didn't like, do you know if you killed anyone? He's like, look, first of all, my main job was to load the, you know, the bomb on the thing that fires it out, like that we had on the back of the Jeep. Like it's one of these, um, I don't know, like a missile launcher almost like that, yeah. but a, a primitive one, right? And, and he's like, 
And he's like, I wasn't worried about who I was killing. The whole time I was thinking, don't lose your fingers, don't lose your fingers. Because you would put it on and then take your fingers off before it went off, right? And so he's like, the whole war I was worried about my fingers. And then one time we're in the woods and and these guys are chasing us. And plus, of course, remember Frank is Jewish, right? So he's like, he's like, I've never been so scared in my life. And I'm just firing like this. It's like, I don't know if I hit someone firing like this. He's like, I doubt it. Okay, but but luckily we lived and you know and and we we were okay. And so I back again when Frank was alive, I had, I don't remember if I asked Ben or Frank. Anyway, the answer was so what happened to the gun? Is of course is a question. And Frank was like, Oh no, I don't have it anymore. I sold it for a jacket. <laughs> uh, we're like, what? Why did you trade it for? Exactly. <laughs> I said, why did you trade it for a jacket? And he's like, we were in Europe and we couldn't get out for like a long time. Getting back home was actually kind of miserable, and it was really cold. Yep. I needed, I took the gun because I needed the gun. Then I gave it away for a jacket because I needed the jacket. Okay, so that was Frank Wankowitz. Um, but if you took one off a dead Nazi, you got to keep it. Okay, so that's rule number one. Uh, rule rule number two is you're allowed for intellectual reasons to like read Mein Kampf. Uh, you're not allowed to read it every night by your and have it by your bedstand, as there are literally stories that Trump did that. Okay, and that might be why he says things like immigrants are poisoning the blood of our nation. Right, oh, wow. and you remember, of course, Trump's dad attended Nazi rallies, or was it KKK rallies? It's tough to keep it straight, you know, with the Trump family. Anyways, but otherwise, if you're just collecting Nazi memorabilia, no, no, don't. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you guys. I also, yeah, I rented an Airbnb years ago for New Year's weekend with my friends, and in the Airbnb bookshelf in one of the bedrooms, in my bedroom, was Mein Kampf. How'd what a strange choice. I, I I didn't know what to do. Yes. I didn't know what to do. I just left it there. I, I should have left a review afterward. I think I might have forgotten to even do that. But not great. It was definitely creepy to see. That's yes. for sure. Yeah. You see, but that's the one where are they professors? You know, if you but, but it's an Airbnb, you're renting. I still wouldn't it have people. it out. I, I have I, it out. It's yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, Jesus. If you, I'll put it this way, if it's like it's Mein Kampf right next to a, a Goebbels book, no, no, there's something wrong. Okay. Seriously. Yeah, unless that dude is a very specific professor, no. Um, so, um, but when you see like uh, me, I'm gonna keep it real here, and I don't yeah. know if this makes me a bad person, so let's talk it through, okay? Number, there's no way I buy it, even if it's to burn it, even if it's to do anything. Because I'm not getting caught buying Nazi memorabilia, That's a good not, point. and I'm not paying for uh, Nazi memorabilia. I'm not doing anything with Nazi memorabilia, like hard ban on Nazi memorabilia. Yeah, two 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 things here. I had a girlfriend once years ago. She was a well, she still is a Muslim Persian girl. We're still dear friends to this day. And very early in our relationship, after she became my girlfriend, she told me, so I gotta tell you something. I collect stamps and I have a Hitler stamp. And and I just wanted to let you know because this is a collectible and obviously I love Jewish people, I'm with you, but I have the stamp and I was very troubled by it and I was not okay with it. 
And I had to convince her at length to do this, but I convinced her to burn it. And we burned it in my fire pit. And that was the solution I had for that. I don't think that did, should be a collective. Did the US government put out a Hitler stamp at some point? I don't know. I don't think it was the US government. It might have been a German stamp. I think it was a German stamp, but she had collected this rare stamp. And so that was intense. And in another story, talking about jackets and talking about grandparents, I have a pretty crazy cool one. So my grandfather, while he was living in China, where he had moved to work at this fur company selling fur jackets, and is how he escaped the Holocaust. But you know, the Japanese were controlling China at the time. And then as World War II was breaking out, the Russians came in there and they were kind of, you know, taking over that land, that area. And this Russian soldier comes in one day to my grandfather's fur shop and tells him that he's afraid he's gonna like freeze to death out in the in the coming winter as the snow comes in. His jacket's got holes in it, it's all worn down, it's too thin, he, he, he needs a, a thick jacket. My dad said, that's what we do, my grandpa said, that's what we do here. And the, and, the, and the Russian soldier says to my grandpa, but I'm so sorry I don't have money to pay for this jacket now. I promise you I'm good for it, I promise I'll, I'll make it up to you. And he just seemed like a nice man. And my grandfather said, you can take the fur coat and I trust that you will make it up to me. And so he gives him the coat and cut to, I don't know how much longer, but like a year or, or more later, um, my grandma and grandpa are sitting down for dinner one day. My grandma prepares and there's a knock at the door and these two Russian soldiers say to my grandparents, um, we're so sorry to interrupt before dinner, but we need to buy a bunch of fur coats for our soldiers before we head out. And uh, is it okay if I know it's after hours, but is there a chance that your husband can open the store? And so she makes them come in and eat before she lets them go and they eat. And they take my grandfather to a labor camp in Siberia for four years. Stop it. Yes, and take him away from my grandmother. That's why my grandfather's book is called Wait For Me. Um, she had to wait for four years. She didn't have any sugar the entire time he was gone, praying that 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 um he would be able to make it out alive. When he did make it out alive, by the way, he was only able to reunify with her by seat by gaining her passage safely and himself separately passage safely to the newly forming state of Israel, um, where my grandfather um also did an amazing work taking children who were orphaned in the Holocaust and finding them new homes with loving Jewish families in Israel. And But while he was in the labor camp for those four years, my grandfather became a leader in this labor camp and was trying to help and took beatings, refusing to share any information about the Jewish community in that town in China and all these different things. And one day my grandfather's in his cell, is playing with, with, with his cellmate, chess that he made on a piece of toast with lines drawn on it. And this Russian officer comes up to my grandfather and says, Joseph? And my grandfather looks and it's the soldier that my grandfather gave the fur coat to. And he was stationed at my grandfather's camp. And he said to him, I'm just a lowly soldier. I'm. You're such an amazing man, you saved my life, you saved me. I." Wish I had the authority to release you from here. Unfortunately, I don't, but is there anything else I can do for you? I, I owe you so much. And my grandfather said, just do me one favor, please go find my wife and tell her to wait for me. I'm okay and I will get back to her. And he went and did that. And my grandmother wow. knew my grandpa was okay.
the right thing to do. That's fantastic. Wow, Ben, that is an unbelievable story. Terrible. It's just crazy. Yeah, I, I at first I thought you were like it was gonna take a turn. It took a turn I didn't expect. So, so why did they arrest them? No reason. They were just rounding up Jews in, in the area and putting them in labor camps in Siberia. The, the Soviet was it the Soviets at the time? Yep, yep. Yeah. See, guys, look, that's why um, you know you see me on the show get frustrated with Israel all the time, and I don't want to get into that issue here, right? But but that's why you needed an Israel. It wasn't just because of the Holocaust. It's because of the, the two stories that Ben and I told, right? The stories of the Jewish diaspora being all over the world and then being picked on all over the world, right? And so look at that, that's not the Germans, that's the Russians. And and you could repeat that story in a 100 different ways. There's another long story about how the Spanish were gonna, during the Grand Inquisition, were gonna kill all the Jews in Spain. And the Ottomans went and picked them up and, and brought them over to to what is present day Turkey. And and if they hadn't done that, they were gonna kill 400,000 Jews, right? So you needed an Israel so that everyone could come to a place that was safe, right? And so that's why I would love, love, love for it to be safe. So, and there's 100%. a lot of ways to get to safety, but but yes, it needs to be safe. And without getting into it in, in any great detail either, I just wanna say um, that I would say is probably another time since the Holocaust that anti-Semitism has backfired on the people. If there were not anti-Semitism, things would be a lot more chill over there in the Middle East. We wouldn't be in the situation we were in if people could just peaceably coexist and didn't have a desire to not allow Israel this safe harbor that it, that the Jewish people do need. Okay, so now let's go to my dad's stories that I promised you guys on a much lighter note. So. So I've told you guys before, my my dad grew up in a house that didn't have any electricity. So there's like you can go down the list, no refrigerator. So they had to make all their food. And when they made the food, it had to be with thinking in mind, how long will this last? When do we have to, eat? is this the kind of food we have to eat tonight? Or otherwise it's no good. And a lot of the, effort went to making food that would last longer without a fridge. And so that it takes a tremendous amount of work. My dad explained what it took to make this simple dessert. And it took like half the village half the day to make this one dessert, right? And so they had no radio, they had no, they had no alarm clock. So I'm like, dad, you used to get up like, at like presumably around four in the morning. How did you know to get up? And he and he's like, I just trained my body to to get up when we had to, because if you didn't get up at four, you couldn't get enough work done before it became unbearably hot at like at two o'clock in the afternoon, right? So and to this day, my dad can get up at the exact time he needs, no matter what the time is, any circumstance. But like, Dad, I need you up at six twenty-five to take me to the SATs. Boom. Up at 625, he's got a built in alarm clock. So now here comes like, so I've told that story before, but here comes a trippier thing. My dad doesn't know when his birthday is. So because- Did he ever know? No, he never knew. Um, So on his documentation, it's January 1st. So for some of the old school folks uh, from the old countries, 
January 1st means we don't know when this brother's birthday is. <laughs> so <laughs> when there's a ton of people whose birthday is January 1st. And so then we made up a birthday for him because we're like, okay, but, but dad, do you have any idea when you were born roughly, right? And he's like, I think I was born at the end of grape season. Uh, okay, so and I don't remember. I don't remember if it was grape season or olive season or whatever season it was, right? And so my mom's like, well, that's kind of at the end of summer. And I like Leo's and and you know, our daughter's a Leo. So we'll go August 24th. We're like, uh, okay. My mom just totally made it up, right? Like several decades later, we remembered August 24th is not Leo. No, I was thinking that's Virgo, because I'm a Leo. <laughs> what? Nice work. Oops. Okay. Anyway, it doesn't matter because it's not his actual birthday. Nobody knows what his actual birthday is. And I was like, Dad, was did anybody do birthdays back then? And he's like, No, it's no birthday party. And I'm like, Did you ever have? He's like, Cake. I've never had cake, let alone birthday cake. I didn't know there were specific kinds of cakes, right? And. Uh, and then my mom's like, ah. okay, so now here comes the interesting part. So, or one of the interesting parts, my my dad was very poor, but my mom's family was one of the three or four uh, richer families in town, okay? And so long story about how the richer families got to be richer and why, etc. And that's a fun story too. But anyways, my mom's like, uh, shyly, like we had birthdays. <laughs> and we and we had birthday parties. And my dad's like, you guys had birthday parties? <laughs> do you know the story of how your parents met? Oh, I do. That's an amazing yeah. Tinder, yeah. right? Oh yeah. God. How who did who told you? I don't I should have said spoiler alert. <laughs> so uh back then uh your it was aunt. over actual Tinder. It was just over a fire, and they had some Tinder. They had some kindling. <laughs> that is much more likely, Ben. Much yeah, more likely. for real. Yeah, but no. Back then, your aunts were Tinder. Um, oh yes. Yeah. So here, I, I don't know how many of you have heard it, but I'll, I'll just uh, I'll do it as quickly as I can. There's so many fun angles to the story. My dad comes back from America, so now. But I'll do a quick rewind. They're dirt poor farmers. They got a tiny patch of land here and a tiny patch of land there. It's a miserable existence. Both there's only two kids because my dad's dad died when he was 37. So it's just my uncle and my dad. Okay, and and so my uncle could one day comes to my dad and goes, "I found out this about this amazing thing called college," <laughs> and. And my dad's like, what is it? They're like, you go, it's more school. And my dad's like, oh, I don't like school to begin with. Well, who needs more school, right? And he's like, well, okay, so here's how it turns out. Turns out if you go to college, you could be a doctor, an engineer, a businessman. And so you can either really work hard at school or you could work really hard on this farm for the rest of your life. Which one do you want? My dad's like, oh, okay, college, got it. And he turned on a dime. My dad is uber rational, right? <laughs> so he just makes logical decisions and then he executes them, right? So he used to be a really bad student, really lazy, but he's like, the heat. I can't stand the heat. I can't stand, I gotta get out of here. There's a way to get off this farm. 
He's like, I'm in, okay, let's do this. And so he just turns it on and starts studying like crazy. And then he gets into the top college, which is free in Turkey. So in Turkey in the 1960s, we had college for all, but America, we can't afford it. We can't afford it. Thanks, and Ryan. so, uh, so then my dad then winds up getting into graduate school in America because at this point my uh, uh, uncle has uh, become a doctor and then he moved to America. And so then he comes back home as like a conquering hero because he's now you know a mechanical engineer from like the top college in Turkey and and from America. He's going to college in America, okay? And plus he was involved in a revolution and was kind of a hero. Okay, anyways, um, so my mom, so he comes back home and he's like, back then it's only arranged marriages. So he's like, I need wife, get me wife, okay? And so he tells all his relatives. And they're like, who do you want? He's like, I don't know, somebody told me to marry this lady, okay, this, this woman. And then, one of his cousins hears about it and writes him a letter, don't, don't, okay? Like I know her mom, her mom's nuts, she's gonna be nuts. You're gonna have a miserable life, bail, okay? So my dad bails, he he was gonna marry her and totally pulls out because of that one cousin's advice. So never knock a smuggler because they have good <laughs> advice. Anyway, so, so then my dad goes, I, I don't. I don't know. He's like, I can, can we try for one of the big families? Can we try for like the fancy folks? He's like, I. I saw that. I, the only one I ever saw was this new kid girl. She was young. I don't know anything about her, but she's one of the big three families, right? And and they do this big like get, get together for the family, and three quarters of the family is like, oh no way, we're gonna get humiliated. They would never let us marry into that family because those. Three, four families, they just married with each other the whole time. And they would never marry the lower classes, right? And so, but I had this one, my family's filled to the room with strong women. And so I had this one great aunt who was like, no, our boy is good boy. He's engineer now, he lives in America. They would be, they should be happy to get him. I'm going and asking for their hand in marriage. And the rest of the family was like, no. We're gonna get humiliated, okay? And he's, she's like, I don't care, I'm going. And and they go, swear to God, that's the one day my grandmother accidentally locked herself out of the house. <laughs> and they get there and she's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I locked myself out of the house, can you come back tomorrow? And they go back and the family's like, ah yeah. What do we tell you? They wouldn't even let you in the house. Oh, locked out in Guinness. Come on, there's no locked out, right? And so my great aunt's like, I don't care what you sons of bitches say. She said, come back tomorrow. I'm going back tomorrow. Okay. And because of that great aunt, I exist because she had that strength. And so now, from my mom's perspective, she had been. Like guys, this is like. Wait, first of all, just just really quickly, I think I saw this exact story on one of the first episodes of Bridgerton. I think Bridgerton <laughs> might have stolen <laughs> your family's story. Well, first That's of all, I pulled this on on previous old schools, so you never know. <laughs> there you go. And secondly, did they show? Did your grandma show a photo of your dad? Yeah. 
to anyone? Now we get to my mom's perspective. Okay. So she's already had a number of marriage proposals. Oh. And so, uh, and but they were all older relatives. Cuz there's like, let's just say four, right? There's four main families. So they have to constantly marry each other. So they're all cousins, right? So my uh, my grandmother and grandfather were cousins. And so she's shown all of these older cousins, right? And uncles. And she's like, uh, mom, is there anything we can do about this? <laughs> and it turns out, lucky break, my grandmother hated my grandfather. <laughs> which, I, which I didn't know until my grandfather died. And and I was like, I love to Whoa. hear those stories. <laughs> okay. She's like, yeah, he would never let me talk. And I, I hated that. I love talking. And I was like, first of all, now you're talking my language. Uh, I like talking. I must have got that from my grandmother. And, and I never got it, that. I, I never got that impression from you. <laughs> so then uh, this all the, I had a little mental little rewind in my head of and it was like, oh yeah, all the times that my grandfather told my grandmother to be quiet at the dinner table. And I was like, oh yeah, he did do that all the time, didn't he? Cuz like otherwise he was a great guy, but I always thought that was like terrible, right? And I was like, oh, I get it. I get it, grandma. I'm so sorry to hear that. She's like, well, no, the good news is that's why I didn't let your mom marry any of the cousins. Because they made me marry an older cousin and I hated it. So tyt.com slash join, you're gonna love that. We have a whole nother episode for you guys that involves cursing, involves fun stories, and maybe we'll even get back to the title of the stream, which is you know, basically are people allowed to judge you? And and so that's another interesting conversation. So stay right here for the members, everyone else, tyt.com slash join. Or if you're watching on YouTube, hit the join button below and we'll see you there.